everyone, and welcome to the Just Cincinnati podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Kyle Vath, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephen. How are you? I'm good, Kyle. Thanks. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, really looking forward to our guest today. Carlton Collins is the program director for the Heights Movement, and they are doing some great work in the Lincoln Heights area and in Cincinnati in general, and we're excited to have him join us today. Uh, they are. Uh, they have a number of different projects that I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, but one of their main focus areas is the gun range located in the Lincoln Heights area. And so uh, I'm interested to talk through that a little bit. Uh, but Carlton, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, just to uh, begin things off, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, growing up here in Cincinnati and, um, and and just a little bit about you. Okay, so I'm, I'm born and raised uh, in Cincinnati. Um, I, I consider myself a, a Princeton kid. I, I lived um, kind of in a number of areas that are all still within the Princeton School District. Um, in Lincoln Heights, lived in Sharonville, Springdale, and grandparents are still in Hollydale. So I had this kind of just wealth of experience of, of being around the district, but um, one of the things that were was always kind of a, a through line, right, for my life, because I started school at, uh, this was Lincoln Heights Christian Academy, a school that doesn't exist anymore as part of Lincoln Heights Missionary Baptist. Hmm. But I started preschool there and I started preschool through second grade was there. So like my first five years, um, I always tell the story that I still remember hearing the gunshots from the playground. Hmm. Right. And, you know, even with that, the teams that I played for all of my coaches, I thought about like, you know, just significant coaches who were in my life. They're all from Lincoln Heights. And one of the big things that has always been a, um, kind of a, a through line. And I, I said it and it kind of just stuck, right? But gunfire is the soundtrack to our lives. Hmm. If you grow up in and around the Lincoln Heights area and um, the gun range itself, right? So it, it sits on a 33 acres. It's technically in Evendale, but Evendale doesn't have any residential, um, any residential property anywhere near it. Right. There's some commercial property on the other side, but the residential uh, uh, the residences that are close to the gun range are that border it. And I mean, when I say border it, I mean, 50 yards in one direction and probably 30 yards in another. Hmm. Um, the Woodlawn side is the 30 Lincoln Heights is probably the 50. But you have public housing, part of Cincinnati Metropolitan Housing Authority and Mariana Terrace, Oak Park. Centennials, um, and then you have other houses in, in terms of Lincoln Heights, and then uh, on the Woodline side, there's a subdivision that's right there, and and all of those houses are right up against uh, the gun range as well. So for me, it was a uh, it was always interesting. So my best friend, um, my best friend lived on the on the Woodline side, and. Literally, this is, like I say, this is probably about 30 yards or so from where they shoot. Like, that that was the basketball court that I spent, uh, I don't know, hundreds of hours playing basketball on growing up, right? And I always tell the story that, you know, when we, if I would spend the night on Friday night, when they started shooting at Saturday morning is whenever we woke up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that close. This is an open-air gun range. Uh, what came out in the in the December 2019 report um, from Cincinnati uh, uh, CPD that was in the in the Law and Public Safety Committee meeting um, was that you know it's about 38,000 gun training hours take place at this facility each year, um, and it's they shoot 300 days a year seven hours a day, six days a week. Uh, and this gun range has been in existence, uh, operated by Cincinnati Police Department for 74 years. Wow. Um, 
they took over the land in 1947. Uh, Lincoln Heights was incorporated, uh, officially incorporated in 1946. But people have lived on in the same area within Lincoln Heights and actually even behind GE and all of that. That's a whole nother part of the story. Um, that we're 10% of the incorporation of what we should have been um, in terms of the, the area that we um, occupy or, or falls within the jurisdiction of Lincoln Heights. But this gun range has been a persistent through line for generations in uh, in our community. And um, so, I, and, 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 and to just frame it up even just a, a little bit more, right? So when we were kids, it used to shoot from sun up to sundown. Like that was just normal. Mm-hmm. So you could hear it till sundown. Part of their good neighbor behavior is only shooting until 3 p.m. now. But, mm-hmm. um, and not only does CP, uh, CPD use it, also um, FBI, DEA, ATF, um, U.S. Marshals, they do SWAT training there, and Evendale Police uses it as well. So there's a lot of activity there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, and and again, it's open air, so you hear every single shot. Yeah. Now Lincoln Heights, you know, has it, its fair share of challenges right now, but it hasn't been that way always, right? I mean, it was a powerful uh, community with uh, lots of resources. And from what I was reading about it, it you know, it, it used to be one of the, the, the wealthiest, primarily African-American communities north of the Mason-Dixon line. Uh, so there was a lot of potential there. Tell me a little bit about the history of Lincoln Heights and, um, you know, what, what that town, what that village used to be. Oh, absolutely. So as, as you stated, you know, Lincoln Heights is, is the eldest black run municipality north of the Mason Dixon. Um, you know, we're 75 years old this year. So this a, it's a month long of celebrations in, in this month of August and leading up to, you know, Lincoln Heights day, which is always labor day weekend. And, um, you know, one of the major things about Lincoln Heights is that in the sixties and seventies, it was the second wealthiest black community in the country. Uh, it was the first all black, uh, community, um, to have an all black school board and K through 12 school district in the country post reconstruction, Hmm. um, first black community to have its own fire police and EMS. Um, you know, a lot of people know, um, and have heard, you know, you know, we always tout the Isley brothers. Isley brothers grew up in Lincoln Heights. Nikki Giovanni grew up in Lincoln Heights. Um, Dr. Charles Foles, Grammy, Grammy singer, uh, Grammy award winning uh, artist, um, huge in the gospel world. And anybody who knows like gospel music workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then there's just a, a ton of historic firsts that are often overlooked um, in terms of some of the, the, great things that people have done right you know the only two black valedictorians in princeton's history are both you know from lincoln heights Hmm. um the first black naval officer um was from lincoln heights you know um we always talk about you know mayfag starters who was represented on the mural that we did so the heights movement one of our first and largest projects was um dropping an 80 foot mural, um, telling, you know, kind of the timeline history of Lincoln Heights, um, starting from the first mayor all the way into, you know, celebrating people like Yvette Simpson, who's from Lincoln Heights, Mm -hmm. former vice mayor. And and you can see her on ABC anytime there's a a major debate or whatnot. Right. Right. Um, so like, Lincoln Heights just has this storied history of, of being this place that, that always e- exhibited black excellence in a lot of different ways. Um, and a lot of that in the, in the economic foundation for the community of Lincoln Heights came through its relationship with GE Aviation. So mm-hmm. the first public housing in Lincoln Heights area was the Valley Homes. And the Valley Homes uh, was built 
through a Department of Defense contract to house the black employees for GE. And back then it was Wright Aeronautical Plant to make uh, airplane aircraft engines for um, during World War II. So the black housing was in Lincoln Heights and the white housing was actually in Green Hills. Hmm. Um, and in Green Hills, the, the, the same, uh, what exactly looked like uh, the Valley Homes is in Green Hills. It's still up today. Um, those were a little bit better maintained. Um, but, you know, that became a, a huge part of the economic base is that you, you always could get a job working at GE Aviation. And when mm-hmm. a lot of jobs went overseas and globalization and all of those kinds of things, and it started to be a requirement to have a college education before you, um, you know, to, to become an engineer and work on certain things, you know what I mean? Right. Long story short, you know, and it's not just GE, but all, all companies, right. They really didn't invest in a farm system, right. Mm-hmm. They didn't create clear pathways of how do you really cultivate and develop talent, you know, right at home and, and continue that pipeline, even if it does require college, right? right it just right. stop being that critical investment. And that's really one of the big things that we work on in terms of the Heisman. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not real familiar with uh, the work that's going on. So uh, what, what, what are the things that are being done in, in that regard to, to, to meet the, you know, the problems that you mentioned there? What's being done now, I guess? No, for sure. So we, um, you know, one of the things that got birthed out of our fight with um, uh, CPD was, other than the fact that it brought a, a lot of attention to the issue itself, I think the the other thing that came out of it is, and and, and I I would be remiss if I didn't say like you know we were beneficiaries of the sacrifice. Um, in terms of the murder of George Floyd. Hmm. Um, we happened to be in the right place at the right time. I believe we had our protest, I think, you know, a couple of weeks after, you know, kind of the explosion in terms of um, after George Floyd passed. So with that, um, it, it gave us an opportunity to start a fresh relationship with GE Um folks with Procter & Gamble, folks with Center for Closing the Health Gap. It was a, a lot of different partners that came uh, kind of out of the woodwork um, to be helpful, be supportive, learn more about the history of Lincoln Heights, but also learn more about the opportunities that exist. Still having, you know, you know, having this, this, this gem of, of a black municipality, um, you know, right here in the Cincinnati area. And that led us to, you know, the creation of something called the reimagination of Lincoln Heights. So there's four, four main pillars. So it's beautification and social justice, um, economic empowerment, education and workforce development, and then public health and wellness. And beautification and social justice is obviously the fight to, to remove the gun range, but we've also had the fortunate opportunity um, to... Uh, take over a parcel of land, and we have uh, a community garden, and and actually have created an agreement with just local corner stores to solve our food desert issue, right? Not being able to to have fresh fruits and vegetables, and um, so we've been working on that. We've had a number of partners, and uh, GE's definitely been one of those instrumental partners in us doing that, but getting opportunity to see some just amazing growth. Um, and the mural project that we did, we actually have a plan to do nine more murals throughout uh, the community of Lincoln Heights uh, over the next three years. So we have a, a number of different things planned. Artworks and Arts Wave have been amazing uh, partners um, there. And then in terms of uh, economic empowerment, uh, you know, we've... <clears throat> Uh, created a program. It was it was uh, the resident empowerment program, which pays a living wage stipend for 
actually getting work done right in in very own community. Um, so we've had, just had an amazing opportunity to just support um, folks who come out. And I, I think we probably 50 to 75 people. We've had an opportunity to put some dollars in their pocket to help us, you know, get some things done. Uh, and then we're also working on an innovation center um, where we had a house donated to us. And it's actually the family house of our executive director, like old family house, his, his parents and grandparent were, were raised in that house and, um, you know, ripped it down to the studs, um, have a number of partners supporting us building it back up. But within the innovation center, now we're creating a space where um, kids can come learn finances. They can learn, you know, audio and video production, put workbenches in, 3D printers, all those kinds of things, laptop mm-hmm. carts. It'll be a Wi-Fi hotspot space. Um, it'll also be, uh, we're also doing some cool things, potentially working with the, um, Cincinnati Library uh, in the process, but just creating this cool and innovative space that will allow us um, and allow kids an opportunity for just learn in, in terms of innovation and technology and all of those kinds of things. Because one of the big things that we wanted to be able to do is brand, um, rebrand uh, the community of Lincoln Heights as a community of innovation. Um, mm-hmm. Our forebears uh, have they were innovators in their time, right? If we're talking about the 40s and 50s and 60s um, with the number of businesses that existed, with the, the great people that were being produced and pro bowlers and Super Bowl champs and all of those kinds of things, right? Um, there was innovation that, that, that inspired, you know, some of those great firsts that, that happened in Lincoln Heights. So now it's just an opportunity for us to, um, you know, just redevelop that spirit um, and, and really empowering people to, and our young people, uh, to just solve the problems of the community that they see. That's the real goal of the Innovation Center. Um, and to be able to tie into the development that's going to be happening along 75. Right. Over the next 10 to 15 years, they plan on making it a tech corridor um, in, in the goal uh, with the hopes of of making Cincinnati Dayton into a metroplex. Just like Dallas, Fort Worth. So, you know, this black municipality, we need to be part of, you know, what does that look like in the future and producing talent that can um, uh, and, and black talent that can. <clears throat> get into some of these jobs and, and opportunities and it gives us an opportunity to to just reestablish um, some of those those the economic foundation for uh, the community in Lincoln Heights. And then we under education and workforce development, there's a number of things that we're working on our um, but the the great thing that also came out of our protests was we caught the attention of uh, Senator Sherrod Brown, who offered us an opportunity to launch My Brother's Keeper, Lincoln Heights, which is in conjunction with the Obama Foundation. Um, so we are the first uh, MBK chapter in the Cincinnati area. There's, I believe, 13 chapters around the state of Ohio. Um, but we are the first in the Cincinnati area. And you know, with that, our policy initiative is around juvenile justice, because one of the big things in terms of the gun range that we're always talking about is mental health, right? And what was the implications uh, from a mental health perspective? And how did that manifest itself behaviorally, right? So there's work that ne- still needs to be done in terms of changing what does it look like uh, in that pipeline of prison within uh, the sense of, uh, within the, the Lincoln Heights area and within the Princeton School District. So that's one of the things that we're focused on and and to even be able to, to work with Hamilton County Sheriff's, the school district, uh, juvenile court system um, to be able to to create um, just create a structure that will allow for us to, you know, stop kids from going down the, the, the wrong path and we can head them off, introduce a caring adult, which is a big part of uh, minimizing toxic stress and ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and 
making sure that we have an opportunity to to really impact them on a on a really high level um and, and just change the direction that they're going but within also within mbk we're we're working on a lot right so it's uh um six tenants so and it goes from you know making sure they start school well and so you know talk about our partnership with success by six um through the united way all the way to them being gainfully employed and, and uh, into their careers. So there's a number of things that we're working on along the way. Uh, one of the big things is we launched a scholarship. Uh, it's the MBK Lincoln Heights Scholarship through the Greater Cincinnati uh, Scholarship Foundation as well, um, just to give kids access to some more scholarship dollars and, and see what we can do to help them in some way, shape, or form. And, um, and then public health and wellness is really centered around, our big thing is recreation. Um, there was a goal initially, wasn't ours, but we kind of co-opted it to make Lincoln Heights a walking community. And the, the other big thing is that, you know, the YMCA and there's anybody from Lincoln Heights will tell you the same thing. Like when the YMCA shut down, it completely changed the community, right? And I was in the seventh grade when the Y shut down. So it's been almost 20 years that there's been, um, and, and thank God for St. Monica's Recreation Center. They're doing some great work. Shout out to Reverend Pearl. Um, but a place to go seven days a week that's open to anybody in the community, um, it hasn't existed for, again, those 20 years. So it's um, we're just in this space where, like, how can we support some of the recreation? There's still Lincoln Heights Tigers, football, basketball. How can we support them? But then also how can we expand opportunities in terms of playgrounds, basketball courts? Um, there's a lot of other things that we want to do and, and just create um, just more opportunities uh, from a recreation perspective. Because if there's one thing that Lincoln Heights has always produced um, in spades is great athletes. Mm. Um NBA players, NFL players. We have two kids. Uh, the, the starting is he right tackle or left? Starting right tackle, Thayer Mumford for Ohio State. That's mm-hmm. a Lincoln Heights kid. Um, Darion Henry was the number two player in the state last year. Lincoln Heights kid, right? So like we've always produced great talent in terms of in terms of athletics. So you know just giving kids more opportunities that exist there. Um, and then there's a bunch of other little small stuff that we do. Our biggest thing is like, we want to serve as a conduit to help all organizations within Lincoln Heights and anybody who has an idea of wanting to do something to, to just improve conditions um, for anybody across the spectrum. You know, we support that and um we're here just to just to make it happen, right? We're the the next generation, you know, the buck kind of passed to us, and we just want to make sure that we're doing anything and everything possible um, to make life easier for the next generation. Yeah, and and you all are fully uh, volunteer, right? Yeah, right now we haven't been able to pay ourselves yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So incredible work on a shoestring budget, and um, it's, it's just incredibly inspiring. Can you give us some, an update on the, the shooting range progress? I know there's forward steps and backward steps. Can you give us a brief update of where you are on that? Yeah, for sure. So with the, with the gun range, um, we've made progress in a lot of ways. Uh, but, uh, the biggest impediment is really the city of Cincinnati and the Cincinnati, uh, police, uh, uh, police union. They've always been resistant to the idea of moving it. Uh, and I, and I want to be clear that when we're talking about, you know, opposition to the gun range, you know, every, just imagine about every 10 years is raised as an issue. We just had the, the, the benefit of just a little political experience and just some well-placed relationships that we were able to drive certain things. Um, and and then again, George Floyd helped us um, in, in an, an amazing way. But um, 
with the gun range now, you know, the Hamilton County has used some of the Relief Act dollars to um, set aside $5 million to move the gun range. Um, and so that's a huge victory. All the commissioners are a thousand percent, you know, in, in terms of moving it. Um, because, and, and I didn't say it before, but, you know, Lincoln Heights is Woodlawn, like we're not part of the city of Cincinnati, right? So I think that's also been a major part of, and, and what makes the issue so complex is the fact that we don't have a voting stake in the city of Cincinnati. We're just asking them to do the right thing, essentially. Mm. Mm. And, but the city has largely been radio silent. Um, the, the, the county commissioners offered the use of the Hamilton County Sheriff's range. I believe that was about April of 2020. Like, so the offer has been on the, it's a longstanding offer. It's been on the table for them to use another range. Um, and the police union is the one who says, no, um, we want to stay exactly where we are. Um, and I think we were making progress. The public hearing last October was well, uh, went well. And then, you know, I think the city of Cincinnati kind of hit its own snags <laughs> in terms of um, council members, you know, yeah. kind of a, a carousel um, yeah. there. And all three were, were yay votes in terms of moving the gun range as well, right? right. Um, it, it just so happened. But um, now the biggest thing is, how are we going to make sure we can apply, you know, a maximum amount of pressure to Aftab, um, Purval, and David Mann as they're in this campaign, um, as well as the council, uh, people who are running for council seats, like, but I, I, I think if I, if I had to guess how political wins are going, right, they kind of saw this, and I'm talking about the, the police union, they saw this as an opportunity. It's an election year. Nobody has to focus on it, right, because it's not right. going to make a difference. Like, for this council, it's not going to make much of a difference in regards to... Um, they're not really going to be held accountable because there's so many seats up. Right? right. So that's been really our greatest frustration is that the police union as well as um, city of Cincinnati, there just hasn't been much movement in terms of even looking at the cost of the sale price of the land. Right. Mm. Moving it. There's been talks about moving it out towards Coleraine Township. And there's some preliminary talks there, but those are actually conversations that the city has to drive and not the county. So um, that's really the update. The county is on board and it's and already, you know, approved $5 million to move the gun range. And now it's, it's up to the city to, you know, meet the county halfway, which we know that, that the city and the county historically haven't worked well together over, over the years, but this was a, an amazing opportunity to try to do so. Yeah. Right. And I think the coalition that we built, uh, um, and had the opportunity to, to assemble that participated in the hearing in terms of school district, people from the county, um, you know, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown, I believe even Senator Portman was there in, in support um, of trying to get it moved. Um, health professionals, community organizations, um, so many people came together, corporations, um, so many people came together and agreed on this has no business being in a residential area. Like this has no business impacting um, our community, the businesses, um, families, daycares, senior living facilities. Like everybody hears these gunshots. 
Yeah. Like, you know, there's, so it's, it's funny, the highest rated daycare in 45215, right? It's a five-star daycare. It's amazing. They do amazing things. Never known a kid to come out of their daycare that's not ready to start school. They are, and it's, there's a retaining wall, right? That they, There's a wall that they built um, to like capture the sound, but the wall is on the woodlawn side. So it actually makes the sound louder coming back towards Lincoln Heights. Hmm. Um, and um, Dr. Brian Earl, who we work with, uh, he's an audiology professor um, with the University of Cincinnati. You know, on the woodline side, so anything over 85 decibels is damaging to the ears, prolonged exposure to it. Um, on the woodline side, it's about, I think we are around 92. Hmm. On the Lincoln Heights side, it was at about what, 115. Wow. And so this, hmm. this daycare, they hear it. Highest rated daycare, like, and they always, they, they tell the story of like when they're doing tours, like everything's fine. They love it. People are like, oh, this is great. And then they start shooting and they're like, what's going on? Oh, wow. He's like, that's not us. It's not the community. It's Cincinnati police. And you hear that every day? Yes. And they're like, well, I don't want to bring my kid here. Hmm. Right. But just think about that. It, that's the daycare, but think about other businesses that wanted to move to Lincoln Heights and saw opportunity, and then they hear gunshots and they say, "Nah, that's not for me." Yeah, right. So the economic impacts of it. We talked about mental health. Um, the fact that and, and and the reality is is that we don't have the same, um, we don't have the same fight and flight responses as everyone else. Right. Because when we hear gunshots, just imagine this in like if it was school training. Right. They do active shooter training. Right. Imagine kids from Lincoln Heights. They hear gunshots and like they're unfazed. Just numb to it. Completely numb. Like and it's crazy. You if and we've taken people on tours and allowed them to hear the gunshots and it's crazy. You see adults reacting to it and you can see kids on the playground not budge. Like they're just going about their day, hmm. right? Like, and the fact that that's a reality is just, it's absolutely insane. So for us, we just want to see the city of Cincinnati, one, do the right thing, but more importantly, um, just come to the table being willing to match what the county has already, you know, has already committed themselves to, um, to just make this thing happen and, and get it out of our, out of our lives. You know, we hope to have some candidates for the city council on in the future. What questions would you want us to ask them? What do you think are some important things that we should um, put before them in regard to, to Lincoln Heights and, and this issue? Um, I would say the the first question, and it's a simple one. Would you vote yay or nay in, in terms of investing the dollars to move the gun range? Hmm. Um, I think that's the the biggest thing. I think it's the most pressing thing. Um, and and even if it's not moving the gun range, can we vote on a ceasefire? Can we vote on you guys using Hamilton County Sheriff's facility? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's been a standing offer. So I was even asking that question. Um, like, what are you willing to do? And, and I understand it, right? <clears throat> right now, all of them are, everybody's going to try to tiptoe around it. And we understand that because why would we cross the police union in an election year? Right. But um, I think our, our main goal is how do we get you, how do we get folks on record to just doing what's right? Yeah. Um, and do they have the p- political Uh, the political will I think that's the safest word <laughs> yeah. do they have the political will to just stand up for again what what's right 
and then ask themselves the question, like, would you want this for your kids? Yeah. Thanks, Carlton, for um, going into that a little more. I mean, I was, I mean, obviously we're, uh, I'm privileged. My family's privileged enough uh, to, to not have to worry about gunshots, you know, hearing gunshots throughout the day or, or being in a date, a daycare or a school where that can be heard. So I have no idea what this is like. And so um, it's just interesting to think about that being a real reality for so many people in, in that area, in that neighborhood. So it's good to, good to hear that and um uh, i'm I'm interested certainly in the psychological effects i I think you covered that a little bit but what what really i mean well what does that do you what does that do for someone long term you know if you're a child you're growing up you're hearing gunshots just about every day of your life what does that do to you long term no i mean i think the, the one of the major I guess long-term effects is really, well, I'll, I'll put it like this, right? So if something happens, endorphins getting run, start running in your body, you know, adrenaline starts pumping, it takes anywhere from, you know, 18 to 30 hours for your body to get back down to normal, Right? For like physiologically back down to normal. You might have moved on or whatever, but you're heightened because of what happened, right? So imagine that like you don't have an ability to ever not be on 10, right? So everybody is, it's like, it's easy to have more aggression and it's easy to, for your, your mind. Um, and I think the biggest thing, especially kids, is that you know our, our brains don't function the same way. Now, I've had the, the, the luxury, and I would definitely say I'm privileged to a degree, I had the luxury of being other places too, right? So I lived in Lincoln Heights for a period of time, um, went to school there, but when I was going to school in Lincoln Heights, like I lived outside of earshot of the of the gun range now again now i could be back and i would be back <laughs> if i went to my godmom's house or we stopped at a cousin's house or i went to my best friends but i had the opportunity and fortunate opportunity to to be able to you know decompress at times right but for everybody who didn't like that literally just being wired differently. And and a major part of that is, you know, you never get to, like, you're never not in a, you know, your body's never not in a stressful state. Like, you're always in this fight, like, and it, I don't want to say it's fight mode, but it really is, right? And I wouldn't inherently call Lincoln Heights a, a particularly violent place, like violence per capita were were really not that high. Um, um, And actually one of the safer communities in, in Hamilton County, um, because it just doesn't happen that often in terms of, um, you know, gunshots and all of those kinds of things. But, and I'm, I'm talking about interpersonal violence, right? But, we are truly wired to just, you know, and I always think of it because I'm an educator, right? And the biggest thing that really broke my heart, and I, I was a program director with, with uh, Lincoln Heights Outreach, which is the largest social service organization. And as program director, I was running the after school program and summer camp, right? So I'm sending kids to, out to play on the playground and hear gunshots, like literally. And one of the things that always broke my heart because I'm in the summer, you know, we're hiring teachers, teachers assistants to come in to work with our kids. And I couldn't tell them specifically, this is what this child is dealing with. Right. Like, so there's no working understanding of the impacts of that the gun range has had for all of these years. And I think that's one of our biggest things of why, 
juvenile justice as our policy initiative because we've never asked the question. And I love Princeton. I'm a proud alum, support Princeton and all kinds of things, but Princeton didn't even ask the question, right, of how are these gunshots impacting student behavior and why we need to put more support, rap kids with more love and understanding specifically because physiologically they're wired different. So if you say something to a kid and he responds to you in what can be considered a negative way, like there has to be more empathy that goes into that situation and not less. Right. Mm -hmm. And that never happened. So even though I love Princeton, Princeton has historically ran kids up the discipline ladder. Right. More suspensions, in-school suspensions, suspensions, expulsions, you know, the things that take you away from, you know, or, or, or separate you from academic success. Right. Those things have always happened in terms of kids from Lincoln Heights and Woodlawn. Like those it's just a reality. Right. Mm-hmm. So even though I want to be able to tell you. Um, and, and all of this is around ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, toxic stress, um, post-traumatic stress disorder. It's all along that spectrum, right? Um, and a great partner of ours is Joining Forces for Children, which really focuses on that. Um, but to say, like, this is how it's it's specifically manifested, this is the the, you know physiological damage that has been caused, it has never been studied, right? There's, We're the ones pushing for the first studies into the damage that's been caused, right? Mm-hmm. Behaviorally, mentally, um, eventually, economically, um, and even physiologically, psychologically. Like we're the ones, and environmentally as well, because there's never been any environmental remediation to take place on the land either. Hmm. Uh, it's funny. I ran into Charlie Winburn and he would tell the story of when he was a kid. Uh, Cause he's from Lake Heights. Uh, he would tell the stories of when he was a kid, that was how he had money for school clothes. He would just take a bucket, sneak on the land and collect shell casings. Hmm. And then they would go to the recycling place and sell them for a nickel a piece or whatever. And then it was money for school clothes. Like, but he would just fill a bucket, him and him and his sister. <laughs> wow. Um, but there's there's never been any kind of study or any kind of comprehensive understanding of the damage that has ever been caused, right? right. So even in and, and it's funny, and I always say we never had a problem finding partners who wanted to help us move it. It's been an uphill battle finding partners who want to help us study it. Hmm. You know, th- there is lots of research as you as you talked about adverse childhood experiences, and you know, in in my work, so I'm a registered nurse by trade, and there's lots of research that talks about you know people who are raised in those types of, envir- of environments, they are at higher risk for drug and alcohol abuse, severe obesity, depression, suicide heart disease, cancer, stroke. And not only that, but as you said, it's not even just the person who's experiencing it now, but they are also finding that it is changing their brains. It's changing their genetics and it's affecting generations of people. And um, so though this, this specific instance maybe hasn't been studied but it's not hard to link those areas, uh, link this situation to what it does in these other types of, you know, uh, environments in which children are raised to say that this, this is a big deal and it's, it's going to affect generations of, of families. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. How, for, for someone who is hearing this, uh, maybe for the first time uh, and, and says, you know, what can we do? What what would you tell them, and how how can they get involved with the good work that you all are doing? Um, I would say you know the the very first thing is you know visit theheightsmovement.org. dot um, 
and just check out the work that we're doing. Again, we operate in with frankly no budget. All money that we've ever raised, all grants that we've ever got have gone right back out the door to support the community um, and just change the narrative for a community that, you know, frankly has been underserved for so long. Uh, and, a, and a big reason for that has always been um, because this gun range, right? Like once, once the jobs left from GE, you know, it was never going to be uh, with the gun range there. It was never going to be a, a situation where, you know, we were going to flourish in business. And, you know, with that reality, if there's something that you want to do, by all means, support us. There's opportunities to support us financially. You can help us finish the Innovation Center in terms of that support. You can help fund a mural. Um, you can help uh, with a resident empowerment program, which, you know, we hired at least 20 kids this summer, uh, helping us maintain the garden and murals and help us in the innovation center. Um, and, you know, it's, and, and then I would also say, you know, just help us apply pressure, Mm -hmm. right? Um, it's too easy and it's been too easy, like for decades to just not care about the humanity of, because they're, these are just two black communities that are north of the city, right? So yeah. we need people who live in the city of Cincinnati to ask the question to council people. Yeah, The ones that are, and frankly, I don't, other than Jan Michelle Lemon Kearney, who's been an absolute godsend, I love her to death. She's always been a major supporter of ours. Um, so I always want to give her, her props, but outside of her, right, you know, there hasn't been too many times where we've seen, um, council people even interested or even care to want to find out about, or to talk about this issue. Right. Mm -hmm. So putting it in their face, when these debates come up in the, in the coming months, um, with Avtab and, and, and David Mann, um, you know, making it an issue there, drop a drop a question when they're holding a panel, right? <laughs> Get them on the record to say, like, what is their plan and what's their plan of action to care about the humanity of people that they don't even have jurisdiction over. Um, that's always, um, that's the big thing that you can do. And if you know somebody who knows somebody who gives and donates large dollars, by all means, feel free to consider Lincoln Heights as a as a place where you know your dollars are going to be used uh, in a way that's going to make tangible impact um, mm-hmm. and just change the lives of some young folks. That's what we're focused on. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that information. Great, Carlton. Thank you very much. Yeah. I do have a what if I if I may one last question for you, sir. Uh, we often ask our the people we're interviewing um, what they what their favorite uh, Cincinnati chili situation is, and if and if they don't have one, which has often been the case, what what's the what's the one or two things that they really enjoy about Cincinnati? Um, this is difficult. If I'm going <laughs> with the chains. I got to go with Skyline. All right. And it didn't used to be that way, but now it is. Yeah. Um, and I'm just a cheese cone person. But I got to give a special shout out to Price Hill Chili mm-hmm. and a special shout out to Pleasant Ridge Chili. I love both of them. Um, but uh, Pleasant Ridge, <clears throat> if you've never had the gravy fries, just do yourself a favor and get it. They're cash only, by the way. But um, love those. But in terms of Cincinnati, Cincinnati, because um, one of the other things I, I do, um, I'm working with the Cincinnati uh, Historic Preservation uh, Action Plan. Um, and we're, we're 
facilitating some community conversations around uh, what, what historic preservation and what does that look like um, for the city. And, you know, we've had three and we got four more coming up next week. And, you know, I would just say one of the things that I love the absolute most about Cincinnati is, is its history. Um, we have an incredible history and, and um, our built community is amazing. And it's outside of Germany. I believe it, it. We have the most like buildings of German architecture in the world. Um, so it's just, uh, it's just, a, it's a ton of history that's here. It's a ton of, you know, um, hidden gems. So, I, I mean, I always going to love Cincinnati. Um, there's plenty of room to grow, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I think Cincinnati is an incredible place to live, uh, raise a family. Well, Carlton, thank you so much. And uh, as an educator, I hope your coming weeks as you get back to school are great. Uh, you definitely have a thankless job and is uh, probably over the last couple of years, I'm sure, have been the, the toughest of your career uh, with the pandemic and all the challenges there. Um, so thank, thank you for what you do for our community's children and uh, specifically with all the work you're doing with the Heights Movement. Carlton Collins, Project Director at the Heights Movement, thank you so much for your time today and uh, we look forward to talking with you in the future. Uh, for sure. Thank you and, and really do appreciate uh, you having us and just giving us a platform to tell a story. Um, uh, Lincoln Heights is grateful. Thank you, Carlton. All right. Thank you, sir. If you enjoyed our podcast today, we'd so very much appreciate you subscribing, reviewing, and sharing our podcast. This will help more people find us and join the movement. And if you're able to support this podcast and the work we do, please head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash justcincinnati. We're grateful for your support in amplifying the voices of those bringing about a more just Cincinnati. Our theme music for Just Cincinnati was generously provided by the internationally renowned but locally based singer and songwriter Kim Taylor. More of her intimate and folksy music can be found on her website at kim-taylor.net or wherever quality music is streamed. <laughs>